everyone and welcome to another edition of the Jim and the King NFL podcast. I'm Jim, sitting in his medical tent is Denver Dave, and we're here to talk about the NFL. Hello Dave. I am dying. <laughs> Lockdown may have ended in the UK, but um, unfortunately just for our... Yeah, well, for our esteemed colleague here, Denver Dave, you may have the Rona. Is that right, Dave? What, what happened to you today? Uh, I will find out very, very soon whether I'm infected with the disease or whether it's just the usual man flu. You had to drive for a test today, right? Someone stuck yeah. a spear up your nose. I mean, it's not uncommon for me to have something long and phallic shaped shoved in my mouth, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this time it was all the way to the back of the throat, which isn't as, actually as enjoyable as it sounds when you're on the other end of it, contrary to <laughs> what most men think. Mm. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Well, hopefully you don't have it, Dave, but as a result, I am at my place and you are still at yours, so we're having to go over um, technology to do this uh, this episode, but we're going to try every and effort, push through. Every effort has been made to maintain yeah. as good a sound quality as possible. Yeah, so fingers crossed, <laughs> the sound quality is not terrible for you guys. Uh, we're going to review week 13, uh, which was a bloody long week. We've got so many games to go through, uh, and then look ahead to week 14. Um, so I want to jump straight in, Dave, because obviously you're not feeling great. One thing that I think we should mention mm-hmm. uh, is obviously before we recorded um, <clears throat> the last episode was that uh, the trail end of the previous week when the Steelers played the Ravens. Yes. Um, so just to top that one off, really, in the fact that the Steelers won 1914, the Ravens were terrible, Steelers were efficient. Um, and that's that, really. So I think we just need to address that in the fact that we missed that game just because it kicked off so late. We did. We did. The big big turnout from it, obviously, was that Bud Dupree suffered a season-ending ACL tear late in the game, which is a massive knock for the Steelers. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about their next game afterwards. It's very rare that we get to talk about a team twice uh, in yeah. one review show. But yeah, they did just about enough to to beat the Ravens, who obviously were without people like Lamar Jackson and uh, Mark Ingram, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Players that they, they kind of lean on quite a lot for their game, but there we go. You're right. 1914 was the final score, and uh, yeah, we got to 11 and 0. As I'm a Steelers fan, so I was quite happy with that. Uh, let's talk about these Sunday games, and there was no Thursday game, so we go straight to Sunday, and let's start in Tennessee, uh, where two eight and three AFC teams were facing off. Uh, the Browns had just scraped a win against the Jags. The Titans returned home after smashing the Colts, but after Derek Henry was judged not to have picked up a fourth and one on their initial drive. The Titans looked lost for a long time, and the Browns took full advantage. Four Baker Mayfield passing touchdowns to Jarvis Landry, Kendall Lamb, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Rashad Higgins, plus a rushing touchdown from Nick Chubb, had the Browns as a speck on the horizon to the Titans. It was 38-7 at the half, after a Corey Davis catch, but a fumble from Henry and A.J. Brown had Tennessee reeling. Baker had done stats in one half that usually takes him two weeks. A couple of touchdowns from Michael Pruitt at the start of the second half helped show some response from the Titans, but as they were pressing again, Tannehill got a pass tipped and picked by MJ Stewart. It took a couple of drives before the Titans were in the end zone again. Jeremy McNichols with a one-yard run. Then the Cameron Batson catch with 28 seconds left actually had the Titans within seven points. But the onside kick failed, and the Browns had on to win the game. Final score was Browns 41, Titans 35. What a game, though. What a game. It's a brilliant game. I mean, this was the, not only was this Baker Mayfield's best game for the Browns and you're right it was yeah. sort of two worth of stats in one half it was also the best half by any Browns offense ever <laughs> so in that's, I mean that's all friend that's even with the old franchise the old Browns franchise which yeah, the original Browns 
Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, at halftime, the game looked dead and buried. And mm. I'm, I come at this slightly differently from a lot of other people in the sense that I think that this game shows the tech, uh, the Titans are a better team because okay. they had a, it took the Browns to have a record breaking first quarter, uh, first half, and they still mm. nearly lost. And that's not, <laughs> well, the Browns that's can not, do that. Well, that's not on the Browns though, because the Browns were fine. They, they, they had a very good game. It's mm. just the Titans are that good. And I think it showed what the Titans can do. And we saw it last year with um, the Chiefs. Now I'm not, suggesting for one moment that the Titans are as good as the Chiefs because we know that they're not. But there's a certain something to be said for teams who can go behind and just keep on winning and keep on you know, playing through their game plan and being committed to the run and winning at the line of scrimmage and doing everything that they believe in and keeping their philosophy. And it's a well-coached team that can do that. And the Titans did that and very nearly came away with a win. So... For me, it, you're looking at two playoff teams here, almost certainly, with mm-hmm. the, the extra playoff spot this year. And uh, whether they'll meet again or not is, you know, I'm not sure. But I, if if it was the other way around and the Titans were that far ahead at half time, could you honestly see the Browns making a similar comeback? Because I just don't see no. it. So I think no, no, you're a right. Huge amount of positives in this loss for the Titans. I mean, that fourth and one on the initial drive for the Titans. I mentioned it in the in my notes, but. I, I, first of all, I felt that Henry got it, and second yeah. of all, it was because I think everyone thought it, and um, Vrabel threw a challenge flag, and it still got upheld as a as not making it on the fourth. There was out, a couple of those, the one week. yard run. It just felt like that kind of really hit the momentum because the Browns went back down the field again, and they had a couple of lucky breaks, but they took full advantage. I mean, fair play to them, and the the busted coverage on the Donovan Peoples Jones touchdown pass. Yeah. They. They played like I haven't seen the Browns play. Yeah, I mean, the Browns converting 10 of, what was it, 10 of 15 third downs. Mm, that's not something. It's not something that we're used to seeing. And the thing is, their average third down this year is 5.6 yards. That's their average third down distance this year. Now, I'm not sure exactly what it was in this game, but when you're averaging over five yards in third down, that's not a position you particularly want to be in. Mm. Um, so converting it is out of the ordinary for the Browns it really is but I mean it's a great game for the Browns they can walk away and say you know we're happy with the result that we got which is great but at the same time you know the, the Titans have still got a huge amount of positives from this so I think it's, it's one of those sort of win-wins all round the Titans are still going to make the playoffs because their division is garbage and you know, the Browns are probably going to make the playoffs as well. So in a roundabout way, neither of these teams are losing a seeding by this. So it might actually end up being a good thing for both teams. It shows that Baker can do it when he needs to. And the Titans are actually, it's going to sort of help refocus them and, and say, do you know what? If something like this does happen in the playoffs, we can keep calm and just know that we can come back. So I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good thing for both teams. Yeah. I mean, the Titans did win the second half 28, three. Yeah. I mean, they were as dominant in the second half as, um, as the, the Browns were in the first half. It wasn't quite as spectacular, but the dominance was there. How many teams, though, when they're down that much, would still maintain their dominance on the ground and still dedicate themselves to the run like that? I can't think of many teams that would. Mm. No. Like you say, positives for both teams out of that, that result, even though it's a shocker. 
Uh, so to a grudge match between the Saints and the Falcons then. And backup QB Taysom Hill got his first passing touchdown since college in 2016 with a pass to a wide-open Traquan Smith for the first points of the game. After getting that monkey off his back, Hill threw another one to Jared Cook this time to ensure the Saints took a lead into the second half. Young Hoku kicked three field goals to make it 14-9 at the half. And Alvin Kamara run on the opening drive of the second half looked to have killed the game, but a Russell Gage touchdown catch had the Falcons to only being down by five. A fourth down prayer up to Julio Jones almost worked, but the Saints defence continued their domination and the Saints got their third win without Breeze. Final score in Atlanta was Saints 21, Falcons 16. Yeah, in the last two seasons now, the uh, Saints are 8-0 and without Drew Breeze. So yeah. uh, when you lose your franchise quarterback, a lot of fans are normally you know, a bit worried about whether or not they're going to be able to transition into a new quarterback. I don't think the Saints fans are going to be all that worried, to be perfectly honest, uh, especially <laughs> if they can win with that shower of that they've currently got. Um, I thought it was, a, it was a good game. It was an interesting game. It was a bit of a... You felt like you were watching two teams, one who was underpowered and one who were underperforming, which is kind of similar to what we've seen all season, especially from the Saints offense. They've just been underperforming significantly, been underpowered significantly. Mm. First of all, they lost Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara wasn't what he was at the beginning of the season for obvious reasons, what we mentioned in earlier pods with his um, the epidural that he had to have in preseason. And yeah. now Drew Brees has gone. We've not really seen the Saints offense at its strongest all year. And the Falcons have just been falconish i want to just make up words for them now because they have not been the same for a number of years it's uh, no. coincidentally is since they uh they lost their offensive guru um shanahan so yeah it's it's uh, interesting times in Atlanta at the moment, especially mm. considering that they are going to have to continue with matt ryan because of the massive contract that they're giving him they can't eat that much dead cap space they just can't and there's someone they steps do, in they, you know, dead cap next year. Do you know how much they'll lose if they do cut Matt Ryan? They will lose in dead cap space forty nine point nine three million. Million, <laughs> not thousand. Million. That is stunning. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure you can take off some of that salary. <laughs> Go on, Denver. Do it. Pull the trigger. Let's yeah. move on to another game. Let's move on to another game. So with Matt Patricia rolled out of Detroit, OC Daryl Bevel took charge of his first game as head coach against the Bears. Detroit trailed 30-20 to 20 early in the fourth period after Trubisky threw an 11-yard touchdown to Cole Komet on a bootleg. Chicago's Bilal Powell's then intercepted a short sidearm pass intended for Jesse James. But a 25-yard touchdown pass to Marvin Jones and a 5-yard Adrian Peterson run following a Trubisky fumble turned the game around for Detroit. That was Peterson's second touchdown of the game. But the Bears looked good for a lot of the game. David Montgomery had two rushing touchdowns in the first half. Corridor Patterson had one too. There was a 49-yard touchdown catch by Quintez Cephas, helping to underline just how much more open the Lions seemed to be playing. Stafford ended up with over 400 yards passing and three touchdowns to one interception. The other touchdown pass was to Jesse James. The Lions defense also had to step up at the end of the, and stopped a fourth and one to confirm the win in Soldier Field. The final score was Lions 34, Bears 30. I think we can be reasonably quick on this one. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's great for the Lions to see the Lions win. I think it really is. Yeah. Um, but let's not let's not forget about this Bears team that they are beating. This Bears team is probably the worst five and seven team I've seen for a long time on offense. They really are. They've got the second worst offense in the league, only ahead of the Jets. And let's be honest, the Jets kind of don't count. So the, this Bears no. offense is terrible. They're poor on the ground. They're poor in the air. 
every single aspect of their game offensively is awful and that was underlined if you if if you're unsure if you, if anyone there has to be bears fans out there who are looking going no no we should keep Trubisky we should keep doing what we're doing and the thing is it's putting Matt Nagy in trouble he's putting him under the cosh because they are a team who have stars they really do but they're mm. all on one side of the ball um and they're a team that consistently spend high draft capital on offense. It's not as though, you know, all of their offense is made up of fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. Cole Komet yep. was a, what, a second or third rounder. Yeah, second or so, third. Yeah, second round pick. Trubitsky, obviously, they sold the farm for, and that hasn't worked out. Mm-hmm. Montgomery was a reasonably high pick as well. So that there are, they've spent capital on that offense and they're just not working so i think sooner or later i mean we know that you know obviously there has to be a price paid by someone and it's more than likely going to be uh ryan pace who's the gm but <laughs> it should have been a long time ago yeah you cannot keep making excuses for an offense that is this terrible and quite frankly the only reason they got 30 points this week is because they were playing against the lions and i say that with a heavy heart um <laughs> Against most teams, they wouldn't be on these kinds of opportunities, but they really, really were not good. Mm. Well, with that, let's move on then. Yeah. Nothing to say about that. I haven't seen off matchup. So let's talk about uh, the Vikings. They're getting used to scraping victories now. After starting the season one and five, they're now at six and six. And it was tough for the Jacksonville Jaguars who took this one to overtime. Jacksonville did have some luck though. No more obvious than the first drive of the game when a Mike Lennon pass bounced off a defender and somehow ended up into rookie wide receiver LaVisca Chenault's hands. I don't know if you've seen that, Dave, but very, very strange touchdown there. Outrageous. And one of, <laughs> one of uh, a friend of mine who's a Jags fan just sent me a message going, Why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> this is so Jags ish. We're going to end up losing Justin Fields because of stupid things like that. <laughs> There was a Cameron Dancer pick out of Solbert's hands, set up Minnesota for an Adam Thielen touchdown in the back of the end zone. The Jags started well in the second half with a pick six on the second play. Joe Schobert ran it back 43 yards. CJ Ham got one back for the Vikings before another touchdown pass to rookie Justin Jefferson gave them the lead. That was Jefferson's seventh NFL touchdown. He also became only the fifth rookie to clock up over 1,000 yards in his first 12 starts. Should, should I ask you, Dave, who the other four are? Uh, you can, but I have the mental capacity of a four-year-old at the moment. So. <laughs> okay, well, there's Marcus Colston, who uh, was famous for the Saints. You had Anquan Bolden, who was a possession receiver for quite a few teams, including the 49ers and uh, the Ravens. Odo Beckham Seattle Jr. Well. and Randy Moss. Who? What do you mean who? Randy, Randy Moss? I'm not yeah, Randy, yeah, a guy called Randy Moss. He did okay in, uh, in Minnesota as well. Both quarterbacks fumbled before we saw the Vikings get a safety on Glennon. Then rookie Jags running back James Robinson got himself another touchdown on the season to tie the game up, forcing overtime. Robinson continues to overachieve. He's got nine touchdowns and over 1,200 yards on the season so far. A terrible initial overtime drive from the Vikings gave the Jags good starting position, but on the third and eight, Glennon could only find Harrison Smith, and 11 plays later, a Dan Bailey made the chip shot field goal to get the win. The final score here was Jags 24, Vikings 27. I think both teams were probably quite happy with this result. Uh, I think the Vikings are probably quite happy to win it and the Jags are probably quite happy to lose it. Mm. Um, I think the Jags are the the funny team in the league at the moment. Well, first, before we get on to the Jags, the, I think the Vikings still, the, nothing changes Mike, Mike Zimmer's position. For me, it's completely untenable. The 
the talent they've got in that division in that team is outrageous they should be winning that division or at least challenging green bay and they're not they're terrible they just squidgy bum time beat the jags the one and 11 jags let that sink in you know yes they won the game but i mean only just yeah and the jags are a funny team at the moment so they lost to the vikings by three points lost to the jags by two points they got blown out by the who did they lose by two points? Uh, the Browns. Right, Browns. So lost, yeah, lost to the Browns by two points. Uh, and they got blown out by the Steelers, but it is what it is. Um, lost to the Packers by four. Um, the Texans by two. So they're losing games by only really small amounts. Mm-hmm. So, yes, this is a 1-11 team, but they're not a 1-11 team like other 1-11 teams that we've seen. They don't have a top quality quarterback at the moment and they're still in games. Mm. So this in a funny sort of a way, these kind of games as a Jags fan, you might look at it and go, we're probably a couple of players and they've got the cap room for it to be aggressive in free agency, probably a couple of players away from being a seven or eight win team, which is weird. It blows your mind when you're young as well. Don't remember that they had 14 draft picks in the last draft. Yeah. They're a young, young team all over the all over the place as well. And when you've got when you've had fourteen draft picks, and then you pick up the offensive potentially the offensive rookie of the season, it is it's a, it's a, not a bad position to be in, especially when you know you can go and get a franchise quarterback that isn't called Blake Bortles. <laughs> and they got two picks in the first round as well. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so next game then, the Jets were in serious danger of getting a win on Sunday. They took the lead 28-24 with five and a half minutes left after a Ty Johnson New York touchdown from Sam Donald. The defense came up with a big fourth down stop that appeared to end New York's agonizing wait for its first win. But New York went three and out with a chance to seal it. And Carr and the Raiders had 35 seconds left for what appeared an unlikely comeback. Four plays later, the Jets blitzed seven and Carr found rookie Henry Ruggs streaking downfield, beating rookie cornerback Lamar Jackson, not that Lamar Jackson, for the winning score. The Jets had a season-high four touchdowns in this game. Two for Jamison Crowder, one for Johnson, and one a Sam Darnold run. But there were two Darnold fumbles and an interception by Trayvon Mullen to even out the good news. On the other side, Carr had a very similar stat line. Two touchdown passes to Darren Waller, who also had 200 yards receiving on the game. One touchdown run of his own, and the last drive heaved to Ruggs. But he was picked on the first drive, and too often ended with a punt rather than a score. The final tally in this one was Raiders 31, Jets 28. And probably the game that we as a group, because we obviously keep in contact on WhatsApp, paid the most attention to this week. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I think the big headline from this game isn't the Raiders beating the Jets or even being close. It's what happened in that very last play. Mm. Um, so it's obviously the blitz call. Um, so well, I can't remember where it was. I think they were in their own half or around about halfway. And Greg Williams calls a blitz and it's very much the last play of the game. And rather than just, you know, going into, so you can play at that point, play a nickel, which means you're putting an extra man in the backfield. So you're playing with five rather than four or play a dime with the six instead of, or even just play with a two man front line and stick the entire, you know, every man that you've got, including all of your tight ends as defensive backs, just to stop the ball getting in the end zone. Instead, what happens? You want to show up, uh, you want to show up um, Derek Cohen, you want to show up John Gruden and get the sack for a loss and make this big headline, end up getting mm-hmm. blown coverage by Henry Ruggs, 
which ends up with the defensive coordinator getting fired the next day. That tells you everything you need to know about the Jets organization right there. It, it's, an, it's, it's a mess. It's an utter, utter mess. But Jets fans will probably be quite happy because it keeps them <laughs> in the number one spot in a weird way. And also they get rid of Greg Williams as well. They got rid of Greg Williams, yeah. Not the not the coach they really wanted to get rid of, but it will do. Well, I, don't, no, I, guess. I think that's an, inevi- that's an inevitability. There's some rumours flying around Twitter that if they get rid of Adam Gase early, they have to pay him some ridiculous amount. Oh, probably. Um, but I mean, I don't know why that should concern fans too much because it doesn't come away from the cap space and it, it only comes out of the owner's pocket as opposed to being anything to do with the team. So it's not going to actually yeah. cost them anything. So I don't understand really why that's a massive concern for supporters, but I mean, it's hope to cling on to. So there's no way Adam Gase is there next season. There's no way, no way whatsoever, surely. Well, we'll see. <laughs> oh, it can't happen. If it's going to happen, Imagine. it's going to be at Meadowlands, but I can't, it can't be, surely. If they start the season with Trevor Lawrence under centre and Adam Gase oh. not calling the plays in their quotes. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be amazing. Fair enough. So let's go on to the next one. And so unsurprisingly, a low-scoring game between the Joe Burrowless Bengals and the Miami Dolphins. Brandon Allen's early deep shot was picked by Xavier Howard. The Dolphins couldn't capitalise, and on the next drive, Tyler Boyd managed to break coverage to get a 72-yard touchdown against the run of play. Dolphins punter Matt Hack thought he'd scored a touchdown on a fourth and two, but it got called back for illegal formation, and the Dolphins had to settle for a field goal instead. The Dolphins had to lean on kicker Jason Sanders a lot this year, and he got four field goals in this contest. A fight broke out a couple of times in this game. Xavier Howard and Tyler Boyd were ejected for throwing punches in the first half. In the second, a hit on punt returner Jakeem Grant sent the entire Dolphins bench across the field, including uh, Brian Flores. Miami did get a touchdown at the start of the second half with a two-a throw to Mike Gazicki. The Bengals failed to score after the initial touchdown and Brandon Allen had to leave the game in the fourth quarter with an injury. The game ended Bengals 7, Dolphins 19. Well, that that fight was probably the most entertaining thing that happened in this game. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it wasn't a great game, to be perfectly honest, but it was the continuation of two on not turning the mm. ball over and being efficient, mm. which is kind of the exact opposite of what we've seen with Fitz at the helm. Um, so it's kind of two polar opposites because Fitz is just somewhat of a gunslinger and, hey, if I turn it over, I turn it over. Who cares? Yeah, it's not flashy, um, is it, from Tua, but you're right. He's, he's not just turning the efficient. ball over. It's absolutely efficient. Um, which, yeah, it's, it's weird to see a Patriots former coordinator with a very Patriots-ish um, quarterback. So, <laughs> you know, watch this space very much. Good fit, good yeah. fit. Also, um, Kyle Van Noy was Defensive Player of the Week in the uh, NFC as well, uh, AFC. So, mm. yeah, uh, good performance from Kyle Van Noy. I think it was uh, quite a few tackles on him. I don't know if he got an interception or not. I can't recall now. But, yeah, no. Defensive Player of the Week for him. He's had some struggles with injury, so it's nice to see him back because he's uh, very disruptive as a middle linebacker. Yes, and the other good thing about him is you never hear from him. You never, you know, he's not someone who is constantly in the news for various reasons. He's someone who will take up a little amount of cap space and just be a professional. And there's nothing wrong with that. He's got a big salary, hasn't he? They, they, uh, was it twenty-eight or something? Twenty-eight. He has at the moment, but it's first of all, much of it is guaranteed. Isn't isn't guaranteed, and also this is his first year on a big contract, so he's historically not been one of those guys who takes up a huge amount of room. Right. And if they do have to cut him for whatever reason because of those injuries, they're not tied down to him too much, Mm. which is a a good thing considering that they're paying Xavier Howard four 
billion pounds a second. <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> how much they're paying now. But he's the leading interception um, corner this this year. He's, so he's doing really well. Make, he's doing well. He's doing well. He's doing okay. <laughs> okay. All right, so next game then. A manic first half between the Colts and the Texans on Sunday. 44 points scored as both teams went back and forth. T.Y. Houghton got a 21-yard touchdown to start things off. Deshaun Watson ran one in on the next drive. Then it was time for the running backs to get some highlights. Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor moved the Colts back ahead. David Johnson got one back for the Texans. Kaimi Fairburn made two of three field goals and Roddy Blankenship got a field goal to see the Colts up by four at the half. While the first half was a shootout, the second was just frustration as neither offense could score any points. Watson got picked by Kenny Moore. Justin Houston got a safety for the Colts. But Indianapolis's four punts allowed the Texans a chance to win at the end. But a quick snap came out of Watson's hands and was recovered by Anthony Walker to end the game. The final score in this AFC South matchup was Colts 26, Texans 20. Yeah, I, in a weird way, I don't really have all that much to say about this game. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was a bit of a dead rubber between two teams who I had somewhat high hopes for the Colts early on in the season. Yeah. Um, Texans, I think, are better than I thought they were, but it's not not the most entertaining game, if I'm perfectly honest. I mean, there was no passing touchdowns from Deshaun Watson, um, and Philip Rivers did what Philip Rivers did: under 300 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't look particularly amazing. It was it was, yeah, it was a standard standard game. Nine Nine Hines though is proving that he is a top quality back, and he's he's in the receiving game. He's becoming more dangerous as well. Yeah, it was just kind of the tragedy of, of Deshaun Watson and having yeah. to see what he's got to deal with because he he looks so much better than everything else around him. And it's just oh, such yeah. a shame to watch exactly. that happen and, and play out. Yeah. And he's he's yeah. frustrated. You heard him after the game, he was almost crying where he's like, yeah. I've just I mean, I've never lost this much. You think about that. <laughs> you are your entire life through through high school and college and you sometimes don't go and have a loss an entire season. And he's hitting loss after loss with this team. Because of what I mean, Ryan's done, but that's a massive positive though for Texans fans in the fact if their quarterbacks coming out going, well, we'll be better soon. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> it, it, the fact that someone's coming out and they're obviously hurting by it, I think it's a huge positive. And it's it's you know the other guys in the locker room aren't going to want to be, you know, they're not going to want to continue losing. They're going to want to follow their leader. And when their leader's coming out saying this is not good enough, that's a huge positive for them. And it means that free agents out there who may want to end up coming to um, to Houston are going to be convinced by the fact that there is that will and desire to want to win. Um, oh, he's, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the, in the league, so shouldn't be difficult yeah, to get the players there. Yeah, I think he's certainly top five, top ten, without any shadow of a doubt. Probably top three, in my opinion. If you're starting, mm, a, sure starting a franchise tomorrow, he's one of three quarterbacks I think you take. Uh, I think so, only top five. <laughs> Fair enough. So another divisional matchup then. This time the Rams were visiting the Cardinals. Sean McVay was critical of Jared Goff after his two interceptions in the loss to the 49ers last week. Goff responded with a much more confident showing this week as the Rams managed a fairly safe win against the Cardinals team that seems to be stalling a bit, now losing three in a row. Kyler got the first touchdown in the game on the throw to tight end Dan Arnold. Rams rookie running back Cam Akers had started to eke his way into the Rams' offensive scheme and got a nine-yard rushing touchdown. Goff did get a passing touchdown before halftime with a pass to Tyler Higby, which made it 14-7. to A bit more scoring in the second half. DeAndre Hopkins was reigniting his rivalry with Jalen Ramsey, just in new uniforms, and he reeled in a beautiful catch for a touchdown in the third quarter. Goff scored a quarterback sneak before Kenyon Drake replied with his own rushing touchdown for Arizona off a Rams drop punt return. 
Other Rams running back, Darrell Henderson, got a rushing touchdown after zipping through an A-gap to extend the lead for LA. Kyler did not have a good game with only a couple of completed third downs in the first half. He saw the Rams take the ball out of his hands as he tried to avoid the pass rush as well. His next drive saw an embarrassing Troy Hill pick six. The Cars did manage one more touchdown though. A fourth down lob to Dan Arnold for his second touchdown in the game. But the final score here was the Rams 38, Cardinals 28. Yeah, and what, watching Hopkins um, in his uh, battle against Jalen Ramsey, it is pretty special watching them two go at it. Absolutely. And what, what was amazing is normally Jalen Ramsey doesn't tend to go man-to-man, but it's just a sign of how much they respect DeAndre Hopkins and the fact that he was obviously told, you are playing man-to-man on this occasion and there is no way around it. You are not playing zone because he likes to cover off a whole basic one side of the field, making a quarterback pitch it to the other side. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a, I mean, it, in these games where you have divisional matchups between two very good teams, um, anything can happen. And this was another case here. You know, the Rams just might have the sneaky best defense in the league. Um and I'm not talking about there's, there's teams who we know have a great defense, Steelers, Bills. There's lots of good teams who have great defenses. I think this Rams team might be sneaky under the radar of just how good their defense is. In the league of all teams who have conceded 20 plus yard plays, they are top of the league. They don't concede long plays. Mm. If, they, if they only had a quarterback and you know, who, <laughs> who's, who you could rely on. And let's not forget as well, this offense is missing their signature left tackle, Andrew Whitworth. He's a guy who knows the league and is able yeah. to protect his quarterbacks. So and the fact that they keep winning is impressive for the Rams. At least there's one LA team who's impressive this week. <laughs> um, any worries about the Cardinals? Like I said, it's their third loss in a row. The Cardinals are, they're a couple of years away from success. We've, we've said that for a while. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, who's the head coach, is only in his second year in the NFL. He's only had one off season. Um, so when when you're when you're a new coach and he is still very much a new coach he with is. a new air raid system, um, with a new quarterback and a defensive coordinator who I, who I have zero faith in, um, <laughs> it's gonna be difficult and they are only going to get better. So in a really weird roundabout way, get all your losses in now and learn. Everyone learns more from a loss than you do a victory everyone does so get your losses in now and learn from them and become the better team because they will be they will naturally become a much much better team the problem was they just came up against the, you know came up against the rams team who are better in every direction i mean we talked about that defense i didn't i didn't even mention aaron donald i mean <laughs> that tells you a lot i mean they've got michael brockers who's questionable this week but they're stacked in that defense and they've lost people last year as well and let's not forget that you know, Taylor Rapp, I think, is on IR. And there's there's quite mm-hmm. a few different people who aren't there. And Nickel Roby Coleman went. Um, I think he ended up at the Raiders. Somewhere. I don't remember where he was now. But, um, yeah, the, the Rams are a really good team. They're, they're, they are a playoff team. They're potentially the best team in that division. Yeah, and the Cardinals are only two years away from being the worst team in the league. Yes. Yeah, let's not so, forget how far they've come. And they've, they've done that hiring a rookie general uh, a rookie head coach and yep. keeping the same general manager who they were who there were massive questions over but they've done it the right way and this they should be used as a template on how to do things um because they managed to clear house and you know keep well under the salary cap and they do things the right way it's it's admirable the way that, that the cardinals have done it mm. 
Next game then, and Alfred Morris scored a pair of third quarter touchdowns. The New York defense shut down Russell Wilson and one of the top offenses in the league, and the Giants stunned the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Double-digit underdogs, the Giants handed Seattle its first home loss of the season, sent the NFC West race in some mayhem and kept their spot on top of the NFC East for at least another week. Backup quarterback Colt McCoy managed to avoid many mistakes and was 13 of 22 on 105 yards, and Wayne Gorman rushed for 135 yards on 16 carries. Seattle went into the half up 5-0 thanks to a Jason Myers field goal and a Ryan Neal safety. Chris Carson's receiving touchdown came in only six minutes left in the game. Wilson was sacked five times, a number of those simply from holding the ball too long. The biggest sack came in the closing seconds with Leonard Williams throwing Wilson for an eight-yard loss on third down. A fourth and eight desperation throw by Wilson was batted down and the Giants were left to celebrate the final score of Giants 17, Seahawks 12. And Dave, no one saw this one coming, did they? Well, I no, you didn't. I think everyone expected the Seahawks to win this game. Yeah, I don't think it's as big a shock as people first home think. loss of the season. It is, and the, but the Giants are a much much better team than most people give them credit for. If you look at the talent on that defense, that defense is is legit. It really is. There's some. Pe- Peppers had a good game. <laughs> we'll say that. Oh. So you've got Peppers, you've got James Bradbury, um, Blake Martinez, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson. I mean, there, there is pure talent all over that. But let's not forget that Blake Martinez is the top tackler in the league out of everyone. That's mm. everyone. So if they had their star running back, you know, if Barkley makes a massive difference. Sorry? If they're the decent quarterback as well. Well, yeah, no, I agree. Colt McCoy is not the guy. Um, Daniel Jones has, been, has improved this season. He's looking after the ball a lot better. He's still not spectacular, but that's fine. They're the best team in that division just by definition. You know, The Giants will, um, well, should make the playoffs. Um, I think the Cowboys have probably got the easier running. But the Giants are potentially, you know, they're, they're a team to look out for. I don't think they'll do anything in the playoffs. But I think they're much better than we give them credit for. And, no, let's be honest. Last year, we, we we spoke about Ryan Flores being coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, there's every chance that coach of the year this year is coming from the Giants because it's all yeah, it's all about what you it's your expectations. Well, it's, it's what they've achieved minus expectations. So I'm not being funny, but I can't sit there and vote for like Andy Reid or anyone like that because you kind of what? should do what you've done. Mm. We expect you to do what you've done. No one expected this from the Giants. Joe Judge's first year didn't have OTAs. He's got a quarterback no one believed in. He's got, you know, a defense which was hodgepodge together of people who wanted out of other franchises and were late signings. I mean, it, it's a bit of a surprise that they are as good as they are. But and let's not also forget that um, let's not also forget who the offensive coordinator is as well. So. <laughs> massive respect to Joe Judge. He's doing a great job. Mm. Um, Whether it will be lead to long-term success, who knows? Fair enough. I'm going to go to Green Bay now, where Aaron Jones rushed for 130 yards and delivered a game-clinching 77-yard touchdown with 2.36 left as the Packers produced seven sacks and withstood a fourth-quarter comeback attempt to defeat Philadelphia on Sunday evening. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams provided much of the highlights early in the game, as Green Bay built a 23-3 lead before the Eagles scored two touchdowns in the span of just over a minute. Those scores happened after Doug Peterson had benched Carson Wentz for rookie Jalen Hurts. The Eagles rally started with Hurts' 32-yard touchdown pass to Greg Ward on a 4th and 18. 
Jalen Rager's 73-yard punt return cut the lead to 23-16 with 6.30 left, though Jake Elliott missed the extra point. Rogers hit Adams for two touchdowns and Robert Tunyon for one to bring up the 400th passing touchdown of his career. No one has got to that number in his few games. And the final score here, Dave, was Philadelphia 16, Green Bay 30. It's a shame for Carson Wentz that he was benched because that's obviously the headline grabber, but, you know... It was inevitable. Yeah, it was inevitable. I don't think Carson Wentz is necessarily what's wrong with this team. I think it it runs a bit deeper than that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, having a gun-ho quarterback who's not looking after the ball doesn't help. No. um, But there's major problems with the Eagles. Um, Packers are great at doing what they do. They beat bad teams lose to good teams I mean it continues to continuation of what we've seen all season from the Packers mm-hmm. so yeah not a huge amount to say on this one but it's kind of what we expected really good to see Jalen Hurts get a couple of drives in there you know and it just seemed to kind of wake up the the receivers as well yeah I mean apparently he's been declared the starter for this week he has uh, I saw that on Twitter so I didn't I didn't know how true it was so I didn't want to say it as a matter of fact <laughs> yeah he's starting I think it's very interesting. I mean, let's let's not get let's not forget that Carson Wentz isn't going anywhere. He's going to be in Philadelphia next season. The only way he's not going to be is if someone comes in and takes over that contract, a la the Brock Osweiler deal with the Browns. Yeah, that's the only way that's going to happen. And Carson Wentz is far too good for that to happen. No one's going to do that. The Eagles are not going to give a team Carson Wentz and a first or second round pick. That's not going to happen. To <laughs> that's how it would have to work. Yeah. There's no way. It's, I mean, if you came to the Broncos and said, we will give you Carson Wentz and a first round pick, we will say, yes, thank you very much. All day long, I will have that. <laughs> that's the bargain of the century. Eagles are currently picking no way, sixth. Yeah, there's no way the Eagles are going to do that. There's no way the Eagles are going to do that. And there's no way any t- any team would be given the opportunity for that. So Wentz is going to be there next season. So I don't see the long-term benefit of benching Carson Wentz. I just don't see it. Well, <laughs> might not, well they might not get rid of him, but they might not start him. But then you're, you're having someone who's earning that much money sitting on your bench doing nothing. I mean... It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. I don't understand. I really don't. Depends if they're going to win or not. Well, they're not going to win with Jalen and Hurts. I'm sorry. Uh, well, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> He's not better than Carson Wentz. He's just uh, not. He is. The, problem, the, rub, the problems run deeper. You cannot say that someone who was in line for an MVP nomination from a lot of people before a catastrophic injury you know, is worse than a rookie who's played less than 30 snaps. I'm sorry, under no circumstances can you make that argument with a, with a straight face. So I'm, I'm not having that. You may, might say his potential is very high and therefore you might want to start him, but you can't say that Hurts is better. You just can't. Now you're going to make some feeble attempt to, to try and make out that he is. But you know I'm right. You know I'm right. <laughs> you can't make that argument. I'm sorry. When's uh, well, wait, be wait and see, Dave. Wait and see. Don't see. No, wait and see. I mean... If we're talking in a year's time, absolutely. Mm. You know, Hertz might be better than him, but I don't see the benefit in putting Hertz in now and potentially, you know, submitting him to a huge amount of punishment because that offensive line is garbage. And, you know, you, you're benching a guy who's who's taking up sort of 15% of your entire cap space because you've paid him so much. It doesn't make any sense to do that. It, it just boggles my mind. It really does. Unless you've 
firmly believe that Carson Wentz is not the future and you're happy to take that hit. It might well be that you just cut him and say, okay, we're going to lose 35 million next year. Big deal. (laughs) Well, yeah, it depends if you really want to, it's, yeah, it's it's whether you believe he he can still do a job for you. If you don't think he can, then yeah, it's going to hurt with the the cap hit. But you got to move on. Yeah, it's it's just it's bizarre that you know they they've gone from being all in on Carson Wentz and him being. Let's not forget last year he was and you know he was in, for it being a freak injury. He was a playoff quarterback last year. You know, and a, a sort of diving Simeon headbutt from um, Jadavian Clowney let him out of the game and they ended up losing because I can't remember who's, who's the quarterback who came in. I can't remember. Josh McCown. Josh McCown. There we go. The 90 year old Josh McCown came in and they ended up losing the game at the Seahawks. And it was only after that that, you know, fans were basically saying if we only had Carson Wentz, if we only kept him fit, well, guess what? You got him fit. He's in and the team now. Yeah, and you can't lose faith that quickly in a guy who took you to several playoff spots. You just, you can't. I'm, he's having a bad time and everything like that. If you're going to take him out, then take him out and give him your support publicly and say, we're just going to give him a break for a week or so. Well, that's what well, they've done then. Yeah, but then do that publicly and say, we're just taking him out rather than he is no longer our starter. It just, it's, <laughs> it's completely counterintuitive to me. And there's no point in doing that in week 13 either. It doesn't mm. make sense to do that. He's playing through the rest of the season. He's got seven months off. It's bizarre. It's just bizarre. Well, from one uh, one bad quarterback display to another, so welcome to the worst loss in Chargers history, Dave. Eclipsing oh. a 49-6 defeat to Kansas City in 1964 as the New England Patriots put a 45-point bomb on LA while only having 130 yards passing. Cam Newton ran for two touchdowns, and the Patriots scored two touchdowns on special teams on Sunday's route. Gunnar Olszewski took Ty Long's punt 70 yards to the right sideline early in the second quarter, putting New England up 14-0. The Patriots' second special team score came on the last play of the first half. When Devin McCourty returned a blocked field goal attempt 44 yards to the end zone, Gunnar also caught a touchdown pass from Jarrett Stidham, who had come into the end of the game. Stidham almost managed to beat Cam's passing stats in two plays. The Chargers are now 3-9 and nine with a 2-4 and four home record, and the final score was Patriots 45, Chargers 0. Yeah, Nothing. this was a horrendous loss. It was... I mean, the Chargers have to win games. They have to start winning. Mm. They're in a town be nice. in the states where winning matters. And you've got the Dodgers, who not long ago won the World Series... You've the got, Lakers. The Lakers have just won the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. You've got the, you know, the Rams are winning games. You've got LA Galaxy and what is it, LAFC, or yep. you know, up there in the ML uh, in Major League Soccer. You're continually, continually having teams in LA who win, and then there's the Chargers. Yeah. Now the Chargers have to. They have to go and get either a star player or a, a, someone that's going to really grab the headlines in free agency, go and grab an absolute star. Let's not forget Derek Henry is on, he's on a franchise year. No, he's not. He's, he was taken off franchise. Someone who's just a big name running back, or something, go and get Zeke or something, go and get a real headline grabber. But you <laughs> see what I'm saying? Stars matter. Yeah. yeah. And they're going to need to go and get a star head coach. I genuinely believe now that Anthony Lynn's time in LA is done. Oh, yeah. Because you cannot lose 45 nil at home. At home. It's wrong. Worst result ever. 
Yeah, go and get Lincoln Riley or someone. Go and get Urban Meyer. Go and get Bill Belichick. Go and get somebody who's going to grab the headlines because Anthony Lynn's not the guy for LA. He's really not. And he's a nice guy. He's an ex-Bronco. I, I like him genuinely. I just don't think he's a head coach. Mm. And he's had more than enough time. He's been there, what, five Three years? Three years at years? least. Oh, he's been there. He's been there for a long, long time. Yeah. Just not, I just, I, the Chargers have to be better, and they were terrible. On six occasions, they put too many men on the field. Too many men or not enough men. I mean, that's unforgivable. That is, that's literally count to 11. That's all you have to do. It, it is, <laughs> it's dire. It's absolutely diabolical. This is the worst loss by any team this season. It, and we've got it, the Jets in this season. Oh, it's awful. This is literally as bad as it gets. Imagine if, imagine if Cam would have thrown for over 69 yards Imagine if the backup wasn't Jared Stinham. I mean, imagine if someone, anyone, would have rushed for more than 100 yards. Mm. That's where it was in this game. No yeah. one rushed for more than 80 yards. No one passed for more than 70 yards for the Patriots. And they won 45 nil. Imagine if this would have been the Chiefs. What would the score have been if that was the Chiefs? And let's not forget, the Chargers played the Chiefs twice a year. It been they over do. 100. Yeah. I mean, I'm not joking. This could have been that bad. It was horrendous how bad this game was. It, it boggles my mind how a team can be so good one week and so astronomically diabolical the next week. Yeah, but the three and nine, you know, and this was a, a proper rookie display by Herbert. Well, I don't think a lot of this is on Herbert. Here we go. Because no, it's, <laughs> everyone should be painful on this one. Come on, Dave. I'm not a massive no fan, but when you're as far down as you can, when you're as far down as they were so quickly, I think it forces a quarterback. I mean, it was what, 28 nil at a half time. You can't yeah. run the ball then. So then you're making a rookie throw it against 200, the 200 yards passing and two interceptions. Yeah. Which let's not be honest. There's a, let's be honest. There's a lot of quarterbacks who are in that position who would have thrown a lot worse. Drew Locke is probably one of those as well. <laughs> um, where, you know, they are still going up against a good defense. It's a New England defense who are still very talented. Let's not forget that. Mm. Um, I think it, it, Justin Herbert was put in a tricky spot, but there is also the case to be made that sooner or later, a lot of the Herbert apologists who you know, they're saying, yes, he's playing great, but they're not winning games, but that's not on him. Sooner or later, it has to become on him. But this this loss was bigger than that. This loss was bigger than, you know, just being about one particular player. This is about everything. I mean, it was it was as bad as I've ever seen. And I've seen some crap. I'm a Denver <laughs> fan. I've seen some crap. Uh, well, well, you talk about Denver. So let's go to him then. So after last week's debacle, it was nice to see a proper QB play in Denver. So Patrick Mahomes played really well. Over 300 yards, one touchdown to Travis Kelsey and no interceptions. It actually should have been two touchdowns, as on a third and ten at the Denver 40 early in the second quarter, Mahomes found a wide-open Tyreek Hill downfield, only for him to appear to drop the ball in the end zone. But replays clearly showed the ball trapped between Hill and the defender. Hill never argued, nor did the Chiefs coach Andy Reid throw the challenge flag. He also had a 48-yard touchdown reception wiped out by holding late in the game, which gave Denver a chance for the go-ahead score. The Broncos got it to midfield before stalling, but rather than go for it on fourth and three with six minutes to go, 
Coach Vic Fangio elected to punt the ball away. I don't know if you can uh, explain to me, Dave, why he did that. He can explain afterwards. Nope. Harrison Butker was five for five on field goals. Melvin Gordon had over 130 yards rushing. Tim Patrick caught two touchdowns for Denver. And Tyron Matthew picked Drew Locke twice to see the game end. Broncos 16, Chiefs 22. Yeah, I'm not overly angry about the picks. When you're, when you're going up against um, the Chiefs, you have to be aggressive, which is going to lead yeah. to picks every now and again. Um, the Broncos' defense was superb in this game. It really was. The Chiefs' offense did what they did. Um, they were efficient, but riddled with penalties as we're continuing to see week after week after week. Um, but if you look at the stats, I mean, the Broncos were 7 of 13 on third down. Mm. I mean, that that's pretty good. <laughs> you know. We we weren't that terrible in this game. We you know we had more time in possession. We had uh, more sacks than the Chiefs did. We didn't actually concede any sacks. The offensive line looked great. Um, Chris Jones is still a massive problem, mm-hmm. real problem for, for the Broncos. Do that threat through the middle. Um, but no, I think the Chiefs kind of underperformed. The Broncos played as we expect them to, better on defense than offense, and. The Chiefs came away with a win because they're the better team. That's kind of well because they've got Mahomes. That's that's kind of what it, what we expect to see at the moment. Um, but it was good that we were within one score. So I think there's positives on that. And it wasn't just because yeah. the Chiefs were so terrible because there was a lot of circumstances where they just weren't able to, you know, complete on downs because of plays that the Broncos were making on defense. We're very much a defensive led team, but the Chiefs are still as brilliant as they've always been. Um, it's just annoyingly <laughs> annoying. Unfortunately, at least you're smiling, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you we we've lost now to the Chiefs, I think it's like nine or ten times on the bounce, might even be more than that. Um, mm. But it felt like the gap was a little closer this time. We were we were competitive in numerous areas as well, um, and there's been some good news this week in terms of players that the Broncos have signed. Um, but one piece of news this week out of Denver is that AJ Boye has been banned for six games for. Um, performance drugs yeah which is exactly the same thing as Will Fuller going and getting um, prescribed medication that is on the banned list so you're an idiot and it's your ex-teammates yes uh, in Houston that's right yeah he was uh, AJ Boy was drafted by Houston before being packed off to uh, Jacksonville so yeah somewhat annoying but it kind of is what it is so we're going to leave Sunday behind and we're going to go on to one of the games that have happened between Sunday and today when we're recording, which is Wednesday. Uh, and we're going to start with the Steelers at home to Washington. There was a slow start to this game as the first score came five minutes into the second quarter. A touchdown catch for Deontay Johnson to put the Steelers ahead. A couple of forgettable drives later and Roethlisberger found James Washington for a 50-yard catch and run score. The second half turned more for Washington and on their first drive after a fourth and goal stop was negated by a penalty, Peyton Barber got the one-yard run. Alex Smith shook off a bad gash on his good leg to find Logan Thomas for a score in the fourth quarter to tie the game. Two more Dustin Hopkins field goals and the John Bostick pick on his old team helped see Washington get their fifth win of the year and handed the Steelers their first loss of the season. The final score was Washington 23, Steelers 17. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people going nuts about this game saying that the... uh the Steelers aren't all that etc etc and <laughs> I think it's still really early I mean let's not forget I still maintain with what I've said previously I'm not going to overreact when the Steelers win I'm not going to overreact when you lose because your season is defined by doing. what you do in the playoffs well your season is defined by what you do in the playoffs it doesn't yeah. matter what 
whether you win or whether you lose is just kind of you're going to be a seeded team. Um, yes. It's looking likely that you're going to be a seeded team, although the Chiefs are now eleven and one as well, aren't they? So they are, but we get them on. They have a tiebreaker because they lost to a division rival. Yeah. So I mean, as long as you start winning um, your remaining games, which there's a few difficult games coming up for you, but yeah. your season is defined by what you do in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. after you lost to Washington this week kind of here nor there Alex Smith is not only the comeback player of the year but I think they should probably rename the award the Alex Smith award because uh, there's absolutely no doubt he's going to he's going to win that I mean there's there's also no doubt that you, you know there are some problems in Pittsburgh there, there are issues that you have your inability to be able to run the ball um, and that has to improve so I don't think I'm being particularly harsh in saying that the Steelers have to run the ball better. You have to. Yeah. Um, at the moment, that's just not happening. Well, James Conner's come off the COVID list, so he's going to be available this weekend. Um, but in a total of 21 rushing yards in this game, I mean... Well, yeah, you know, but that's also part of the game plan from Randy Fickner, who's our OC, who hasn't got many fans in Pittsburgh, let's be honest. You, you have to have some... You have to have some resonance of a run game. You have to, especially when you're, if your plan is to come and throw it 53 times, mm. you have to make your opponent respect the run. So just yeah, to I know that. draw that extra man in the box. I mean, everyone in the NFL knows that. Your offensive coordinator knows that as well, but if for some reason is negating that. I mean, having, you know, Snell on eight carries for five yards. I mean, that is not good enough. So in total, 21 yards, but it wasn't like one or two carries. It was just, it was a decent number of carries. It's just a massive amount of, just a huge amount of wasted opportunities that go because you can't convert on the, on um, any of your run games. Now, the, pay, uh, the Steelers, for the most part, pass it on first down. Your, your runs tend to come on second down. And because you can't run the ball, it leads you to having long third downs consistently, which is one of the reasons there was 13 punts in this game. I mean, at one point, yeah. I thought you might be on for the record of 17 punts in a game. I mean, <laughs> you weren't far off an NFL record. And that was from 1933. Yeah. I mean, it is, this is a problem. This is a problem and you have to address it. And having Connors back is obviously going to be a big benefit for you, but there has to be running backs out there who are going to give you options. Your offensive line is very, very good. So what is the issue in the run game? Yeah, still the no sacks for Roethlisberger on like, was it 48 drives or something they've been? It's a long well, time more, since he took a sack. It's like the past, the past, like, is it six weeks or something? You've only had two sacks in that entire time. And you also lead the league in having the fewest amount of rushes as well. Um, so in terms of hurried passes, yeah. um, but you've got the offensive line for it. You've got a passing game that people have to respect. I don't think it's particularly deep passing, but it's passing, you know, passing in that people have to respect anyway. So why can't you run the ball? It doesn't make any sense. And I don't think it's because you don't have the talent. I think there's probably enough talent there. It's just as to why there's that, that dedication to go, you know, playing the ball in the air rather than on the ground. It doesn't make any sense. You have to have some level of ground game for people to respect because it just means that you, you're going to find it difficult in real key games against good teams to run the clock down if you can't run the ball. You've got to give some respect to Washington's front seven. They yeah, were I mean, frightening. Yeah, they uh, are superb. I'm, I'm struggling to think of a better front seven aside from the Steelers in the league. 
Um, they, I mean, sweat was everywhere. Montez sweat, yeah. that is. Yeah, I was Montez. sweating. The Montez sweat yeah. as well. Deron Payne, Chase Young is an absolute animal. You've got Ryan Kerrigan as well. It was doing it years ago before he had all that of a backup, you know. That They've got so many good players there. It's almost impossible to run on them. So we yeah. haven't got but it's, game, not, but, yeah. it's not just this game though. It's it's fairly consistent across no, recent games. Um, but that is just something that has to improve. It's not a criticism. It's an observation because you've been winning without yeah. it. Yeah. But it's something you know and I think everyone else knows you have to improve on. Yeah, and, and uh, Tomlin knows it as well. So, no, we've yeah, never yeah. said that we were perfect, and we never no, come no, out no. and said that. You know, we didn't ask for eleven, though. We just kept beating teams, you know. So well, this, it's not about winning thing, every game; it's about winning the important games. And earlier on in the season, you were playing a lot of crap teams, um, <laughs> and you were, but you can only beat who's put in front of you. Hmm. So I think at one point you were, I think six and zero, oh, and you'd beaten your the combined record of all of your. Uh, opponents hadn't gone past four wins or something stupid like that. So I think that shows that you have beaten some bad teams, but you can only beat who's put in front of you. Now let's not forget you've beaten the Ravens twice and a lot of people saying the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, you know, you have beaten some very good teams. It's just at the moment you've got a huge amount of, um, you know, difficult games left this season and it's going to be difficult to end the season as number one seeds. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where you go. And there's been a couple of games this year where you've played down to your opponents. The Cowboys game is one that obviously springs to mind. I mean, I didn't think that the Steelers were all that impressive recently against the Jags either. Um, I mean, it, it was what was it twenty seven three or something like that, and mm-hmm. it was it was a game that the Jags looked decent in at the beginning, and then the, it's got you know, their three points. Yeah, yeah, they they cruised for the rest of it. But um, the last game, I was really properly impressed. On the Steelers was that win against the Titans. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is, it, but you've been winning games. So there's you know no one can say anything else. Your remaining fixtures now are the Bills on Monday Night Football, uh, which is going to be a real close game. The Bengals. Let's not let's not be around. You should beat the Bengals quite comfortably. Mm-hmm. Then the Colts. Which Colts team is going to turn up? Who knows? And then the Browns on the last day of the season. Now, if you're already you know, if, you, if you're playing for, um, if you're playing for the the buy in the wild card round, then both teams are going going to be playing, you know, <laughs> their full strength team. If you if you've already guaranteed a playoff spot, you may well use that last game as somewhat of a break and put in some rookies, no, some backup players, maybe. So that game may or may not count. Who knows? But again, it's an interesting. It's, it's against interesting, the Browns. It counts. Well, there's that point as well, which, again... Got to own that team. The the Steelers aren't going to want to lose that game under any circumstances. Yeah, you might be right as well. But it's just an interesting thing now where you are playing sort of three pretty good teams between now and the end of the season. Bring them on. Bring them on. We've still got two more games to review yet, Dave. Let's go with it. Um, First of all, Josh Allen threw for 375 yards and tied a career high with four touchdown passes as the Bills stayed in sole possession of the first place in the AFC East with victory over the San Francisco 49ers on Monday night. He threw touchdown passes to Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, Isaiah McKenzie and Gabriel Davis as the Bills beat a 17-7 halftime lead and controlled the majority of the second half. San Fran lost in its first game as its adopted home in Arizona. The Niners will be based in Glendale for at least the next three weeks 
after Santa Clara County issued restrictions for new coronavirus protocols that forced the team to find a temporary new home. Mullins wasn't terrible either. He did have at least 300 yards passing and found touchdowns to Brandon Ayuk, Jordan Reed and Kyle Juszczyk. But he also found Micah Hyde and Tredavious White for turnovers. The Bills win only their second Monday night game in eight attempts with the final score, Bills 34, 49ers 24. Yeah, I mean, we can, I think, skip over this one pretty quickly. The mm-hmm. 49ers are massively under par because of injuries Ravaged. and personal losses. Absolutely. Um, the Bills are a very, very good team. Um, we kind of expected them to win this game, probably not as impressively as they did, but they still only won by 10 points. Um, but no, so well done to the Bills. 49ers not playing at home, all sorts of problems. I mean, I yeah, quite the latest, yeah, I don't know what the latest status is with their... Uh, like their cap hit is it what was it 80 something million but I think Sherman's back yep. now so it's probably yep. not that high no um, but yeah the 49ers currently on just five wins um, but good news is they'll uh, be picking high again and John Lynch is particularly good at that so he's very yeah. good <laughs> I think it's uh, it's probably a positive because they do need a new quarterback as well because for me no doubt they're going to be moving off Jimmy J because mm. you okay. can't continually be losing in prison many games as as he is. I mean, if he comes in and when he does come in, he's explosive and wins you games, then fair enough. But that doesn't appear to be the case. Fair enough. Uh, last game then was last night. Uh, and that was the Dallas Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens. So Dallas came into the contest with the worst rush defense in the league. And it showed the Ravens averaged 7.9 yards per carry and prevailed despite getting only 107 yeah. passing yards from Jackson. Gus Edwards ran for 101 yards on just seven carries. And rookie J.K. Dobbins, who had also missed time on the COVID-19 list, added 71 yards uh, and the touchdown to help Baltimore break a three-game skid. On his first series following his unwanted week off, Jackson threw a pass that was tipped and intercepted. That led to a Dallas field goal, but Jackson answered with a 37-yard touchdown run on a fourth and two play. Tony Pollard took the subsequent kickoff 66 yards step a 13-yard touchdown pass from Dalton to Michael Gallup. It will be the last time that Dallas led the game. An interception by Patrick Queen set up a 38-yard touchdown pass from Jackson to Miles Boykin. Jackson's second touchdown pass of the game, a 20-yarder in the third quarter to Marquise Brown, made it 24-10. Dalton got his second touchdown pass of the game late to Amari Cooper, but Dobbins' score sealed it. The final score here was Cowboys 17, Ravens 34. There was a YouTube clip that I watched which compared the... Baltimore rushing offense to that of the Adrian Peterson um, record-breaking game. So Adrian Peterson's single game record was 296 yards. And in this game, the Ravens ran for 294 yards. Um, That tells you the level of dominance they had on the ground in this game. Uh, it, It was a joke how much they were able to run the ball. And it just meant that there was it was never even close when you can run an average of almost eight yards consistently mm. which just means whenever you want you can go and get first down um yeah. It, yeah it was it was an embarrassment how bad this was it really was um some big decisions really do have to be made in dallas over the off season yeah uh just some kicker news so greg zerline missed three field goals and Justin Tucker missed his first field goal inside 40 yards after a streak of 70 straight completions. Cut him is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I, uh, yeah, I co-signed that one. 
Uh, let's just have a quick look at the standings then after week 13. So not a lot of movement. Um, only two teams moved in each division. In the AFC South, the Titans moved up to first place, uh, unseeding the Indianapolis Colts, who moved down to second. And in the West, the Rams moved up to top uh, the division as Seattle Seahawks lost, moved them into second place, both on eight and four. But everyone else, wins and losses, still stayed in the same position. Yep, as you were. Um, the NFC East is the interesting one, of course. I mean, having the Giants <laughs> and Washington at the top. Five um, and seven, now yeah. two, two wins clear as well. Um, so it kind of cements that position of the Eagles and the Cowboys really being the suck boys of uh, the NFC East. It's weird because the, the Washington football team has got a points differential of plus four and the Giants have got yeah. a points differential of minus 34. Yeah, the yeah. Giants are on top of that. Because of their uh, division, yeah, it's because of their their heads heads as well. Um, yeah, but the Giants have won four in a row. Washington have three. won three in a row. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, at the beginning of the season, who would have thought that? Um, it's, it's great times if you're a Giants or a Washington fan. It really is. Mm. It's been a while since we've seen this as well. Yeah. <laughs> Long may it not continue. Uh, and just a quick check-in with the Jets. Uh, they are now on a minus 174 points differential after 13 weeks. I mean, so, four games left to turn it around. <laughs> are they going to win again, the Jets? I mean, if, if you look at who they've got to play... Dave, we do this every week. <laughs> Seahawks, no, got Rams and Patriots away and Browns at home. I can't see them winning a single... I can't see them winning a point. <laughs> They're going to join some illustrious company there of the uh, 2008 Lions and the 17 Browns. Yeah, I mean, it would be a, it would be absolutely hilarious if they beat the Patriots in the very last minute to win a game. <laughs> After all of their hiding, that Patriots. would be good. <laughs> uh, last thing then on the week 13, and that was the picks between yourself and Kansas Mike. So Dave, out of the 16 sorry the 15 games that were there you got eight. Oh christ <laughs> and uh kansas mike 10 oh. oh well you've moved your phone haven't you oh <laughs> sorry uh it means for those that are keeping score that dave is on 119 for the season and the people are on 129. So we've now got a 10-point lead uh, over Dave. The ones where you got wrong, Dave, you bet, you bet the Texans to beat the Colts, uh, the Falcons to beat the Saints, and the Cowboys to beat the Ravens. Uh, Mike picked the Bears to beat the Lions, so that was the one he got wrong out of the two of you. But you both picked the Titans to beat the Browns, Seahawks to beat the Giants, Chargers to beat the Patriots. That did not work out. The Steelers to beat the Washington football team. And uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I would not be picking the Chargers for the rest of this season. I <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay. And uh, oh, yeah. And you're betting for the, the week, Dave. Did you win your bet? Oh, no. Not even close. No, nah, me neither. Me neither. So, <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Fantasy. Did you win your fantasy game? Uh, not even close. No? No, this. No, this week I made the mistake of um, his recent history has told me to start Justin Herbert instead of Lamar Jackson. And there might be a lot of people laughing at that, but in terms of actual 
actual fantasy points um, that's backed up by facts and stats. Um, mm. so Justin Herbert overall, even including last week's debacle, is the eighth overall quarterback in fantasy. Whereas Lamar Jackson, even with his run, even with his points last uh, over the course of the season, is 11th overall. Now there's a couple of games of injuries. But let's not forget, Justin Herbert missed a couple of games early in the season as well. So, um, yeah, all in all, it was a smart decision to play Justin Herbert. At the time, in hindsight, Herbert <laughs> came with 4.3 points altogether. And yeah. Lamar Jackson got 25. Um, but surprisingly i've just looked i actually won i didn't realize Dave, won. i thought you won yeah so wow that is surprising i could despite just navigating five points well i think a lot of it actually looking in hindsight is down to aaron jones getting 23 points <laughs> um, and darren waller also got 34 i did have an mm. interesting bet um i put a bet on that there would be six touchdowns oh sorry five touchdowns between alvin kamara nick chubb and Darren Waller. Waller got two, Chubb got one, and Kamara got one. So I was one touchdown away, one touchdown away, and I would have got 200 pounds. Oh, there you go. You're almost rich. But I didn't. I, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won no, my fantasy game as well. 121 to 86, and didn't know about it, so there you go. <laughs> How did yours go this week? Yeah, I won. Then don't try and overplay it like it's really casual, like it's something that happens every week. This is huge for you, Jim. It's not. It's a standard. Really standard. If they do what they, if I tell them to do, then uh, it works out all right. Oh um, yeah, I mean, if my guys score more points than the other guys, then I tend to win every week. Yeah, goes with that. Yeah, who's my best player? No, Justin Jefferson got me eighteen points. J.K. Dobbins got me thirteen. Russell Wilson, they got me 15, but I was against Carson Wentz, who got 4.96, so um, that I'd, helped. I'd kill for 4.96 this week. <laughs> so I'm up to 7th in the league? Yeah, I'm just behind you. Just just a little bit behind. Are you in 8th? Bloody hell. No, that's what I mean, I'm just behind you. Alright, well, well, let's have a break, Dave, and we'll come back and we'll start our week 14, shall we? Yeah. Welcome back, guys, to part two of the Jim the King NFL podcast. This is the week 13 review slash week 14 preview. We've reviewed week 13. Took a while, but we've done it. Now time to do week 14, Dave. We're going to start with the picks. Now, normally you organize the picks either by sourcing someone or uh, reading through Twitter. But as you've been ill, um, fair play. I'll, uh, I'll step into the breach for the people and do the picks against you, sir. Clash of the Titans this week, then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go through the, the picks. You haven't obviously seen my picks, and I don't know what you're picking either, so this is going to be fresh. Well, the, game on th- <laughs> the game on Thursday night is the New England Patriots at the Los Angeles Rams. Both teams won last week. Who's winning this one? Um, so I think for this one, as much as the Patriots played... Well, as much as the Patriots won, they you know they weren't convincing in the way that they played, um, and I've harped on about the Rams being um, you know such a good defensive unit that I think it would be a miss of me for uh, to to pick the Patriots in this game. So I think I'm going to go for the Rams. Okay, well I am as well. I think the Rams, think the Rams will win, and they'll probably win by about six or seven as well. 
Yeah, despite the uh, the flashbacks, they probably get to Super Bowl forty nine. Well, it's a, diff- a different team now. I mean, it's it's completely different. There's different component parts on both sides. Um, so yeah, I think it's ch- a chance for vengeance rather than a chance for a, a PTSD. Yeah, uh, fair enough. So Sunday, we've got a whole slate of games here. The first up is the Houston Texans at the Chicago Bears. This is a dirty game. Yeah. Um, I'm simply going for the Texans just because I believe in uh, in Watson more than any trash that the Bears have got. So, yeah, I, <laughs> on this basis, I think I have to go for the Texans. Well, I believe in Watson, but I also believe he's got nothing to throw to. So I'm actually going to go for the Bears. I'm going. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going for the Bears because that defense is really good. So at least they got one side of the ball that's going to do something. Uh, I'm assuming in the first game you went for the Rams. I said I went for the Rams. Oh, did you? Okay, you have yeah. to remember. I, I have the mental capacity of a four-year-old at the moment. I'll write it down, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, it's the Dallas Cowboys at the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh my God! Yeah, um, we are going to see. The Ginger Revenge, um, Andy Dalton, <laughs> against his uh, former employers. I think he's yeah. come up with a win. Um, Dallas are a bad team, but not that bad. I think they'll they'll get the win. I mean, Cincinnati could come away with a victory. They really could. I don't think Brandon Allen is that bad a quarterback. He's not. actually okay. Yeah. Um, and there's decent wide receiver options there, and they're starting to get that offensive line looking half decent now that Michael Jordan's been benched not that one no uh, but yeah so it's it's it is there are lots of positives for uh, the Bengals if Joe Borrow was playing I would be picking the Bengals to win this game but mm. uh, unfortunately I think uh, the Cowboys are probably going to walk away with a squidgy bum win wouldn't surprise me if it was an overtime win either it's exactly how I thought Dave I've also picked the Cowboys to win this game so then we've got the Kansas City Chiefs at the Miami Dolphins. Um, if any team can upset the Dolphins, uh, upset the Chiefs, I think it might be the Dolphins, just yeah. by the fact that they they do the basics really well. The Dolphins are a team that never or hardly ever get penalized for penalties. And as, mm-hmm. as I mentioned before, you know the the Chiefs are second in penalties on offense this season. Yeah. Um, and it's been consistent all the way through it. And I think that could be a real telling game. I think the Chiefs will win, but it will be close. And I think the Chiefs will probably win by five or six. I don't think they're going to win by a huge margin. Um, and it says a lot about the Chiefs when we're saying that they'll win by five or six, but it won't be convincing. I think it tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going Miami on this one. Because... Okay. The Chiefs have got losses in them. Um, and the Dolphins are really, as you said, really well coached. I think that their interception streak is going to continue. And, you know, the Chiefs do have some off games. Yeah, absolutely. If they're playing against I mean, a well, well-regimented well opposition, then stuff can go wrong. So well, we, saw, we saw that last week when, when, you know, when they came up against the Broncos. The Broncos' hmm. defense was very, very good last week, very well drilled, exactly as you expect the, the uh, Dolphins' defense to be. Um, yeah. But the Dolphins' offense is better than the Broncos' offense at the moment. Hmm. Um, when they've got a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over and is a bit more expansive in his ability, uh, it could be a recipe for a bit of an upset. So I'm not surprised you've gone against it. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go for 
the, uh, the Chiefs. I just, just they just me. need they need Devontae Parker to start catching these balls because he's good enough to catch them. He's yeah. just got a problem with dropping at the moment. Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals are at the New York Giants. Now, again, the, the cards are on a bit of a slide. And I think they yeah. lost three. Giants have won, won three. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. Everything tells you that the cards should really win it. But I, I'm going to go cards. I'm going to go cards, I think. I think. Okay. The, I don't know if Colt McCoy is still going to be um, on the center or whether Daniel Jones is going to come back. I know you're not a fan of Daniel Jones, but that makes a difference. It really does. <laughs> Um, yeah, I might lose. Uh, it's, there's every possibility that this could end up being game of the week, just from an interest perspective for me, because um, mm. I like the cards, I like the Giants. So, yeah, uh, I'm not overly fussed who wins it, but I'm going to go Arizona. <laughs> You're going for the Cardinals, okay? Yeah, uh, I'm going for the Giants. I bet that hurt. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, <laughs> but I can't look past the fact that the Cardinals have regressed quite a lot since the start of the season. Yeah. They're not using DeAndre Hopkins as much as they should be. You know, he was getting frustrated on the sideline last week. Yeah, quite and, right, too. Yeah, and as you, you keep bigging up the Giants' defense, so I'm going to take a punt with them. Yep. And they certainly defense. did well against the Seahawks last week. So, Yeah. Uh, next game, then, is the Minnesota Vikings. Off another squeaky win. They're at the Bucks, who had a week off for their bye. Oh, Bucks. Bucks will walk it. Bucks will win by double digits. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Vikings be interesting. A, you say that the Vikings be a bad Jags team. You know the Vikings are not all. That. Yeah, but the Bucks have been shown up a few times this season. They have, but they it's don't not run very it. often they lose two in a row. Um, they they only don't run it when they're behind early. Um, mm. And this is let's not forget this is Kirk Cousins. Okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, but it's not a prime need, time. That's all you need to know. It is prime time. It's prime time. Whenever. Whenever Tom Brady's playing, it's prime time. You better believe it's prime time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't argue too much. I've gone for the Bucks as well in this game. But I was going to say, I know full well you're not going. You're not going <laughs> the Vikings. I know full well you're not going Vikings on that one. I'm going for the Bucks. I've had that bye week to to figure stuff out, and I think they're going to be yeah. But as I said before, the home and ready. A bye week doesn't necessarily lead to success. Oh, I know you, you say that, but you're not right. No, but teams coming off a bye week this season are five, uh, are have nothing more than a five hundred record. No, it well, doesn't. Some of those bye weeks to... have been forced on them rather than being the actual one they were expecting. Well, no, there's only a couple of instances where that has been the case. <laughs> it's where you go into a bye week that everyone's excited and hepped up the fact that they get to sit home and eat cake for a couple of days. Teams going into a bye week have a seventy five percent chance of winning, and I think you know there's a reason for that, but. Even with all that saying, I, I don't see the Bucks losing this one. I really don't. Well, we'll soon find out. The Denver Broncos are at the Carolina Panthers. Now, if I know you, and unfortunately I do, there's no <laughs> way you're picking the Broncos. So for entertainment purposes, I'm going to go Denver. Well, so what, you don't believe they're going to win? I, don't, I didn't say that. I just oh, said. Just, I think I you did. I think you're just doing it because you think I've picked the Panthers. Have you picked the Panthers? No. Yes, you yes I have picked the Panthers. <laughs> there you go. So I'm going to go the Broncos. Let's not get bumped down with who I think is going to win what. Let's not get, you know, that's not the name of the game here. Isn't it? Okay. No, we're in it for compensate, you know. I'd, I'd quite like to win 10 and 0 this week. 
So you not to get any and me to get 10 because then it puts us on a level par. So <laughs> I've got to go against what you're picking. Uh, will the Broncos win this game? Probably not, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> but I'm going to go against you just to try and claw some back, which I've done far too much this season. I think I'm 10 points behind from just every week picking against the Steelers just to annoy you. I think that's where my... I'm picking the Broncos, is. yeah. Yeah, so it's a combination of those two things. No. <laughs> We've got an AFC South matchup. It's the Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, Titans. Titans are far too good. Jags aren't. Mike Just remember, you said that last week, and then the Titans got smashed by the, the Browns for the most part of the game. Well, they got smashed for the Browns for half the game, then came half back the and still... The half that mattered. Um, but it, it was still a close game. I mean... Let's be honest, the Browns are not... Uh, sorry, the Jags are not the Browns. No. So, okay. yeah. Going Titans on this one? Yeah, I've gone Titans as well. No, Although you've gone Jags. Think... What? You've gone Jags. No, I went Titans. Come on. Be brave. Go Jags. Go on. It'll be... <laughs> I'm not going to let the people down. Uh, it's... It might be closer than you think it is, but... Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think Jags will probably be within 30. Um, <laughs> Very kind no, of you to say so. As I said earlier, the Jags don't tend to lose too many games heavily. They lost no, they don't. Game against the uh, Steelers, but generally they tend to be quite close. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were within five or six. It might be one of those things where if you're doing an accumulator, stick it in where there's probably a seven-point lead for the Titans. And if you stick it the yeah. other way with a handicap, it might actually turn out to be good value. Mm. The Indianapolis Colts are at the Las Vegas Raiders. So, do you remember last year? I um, do. Every time I betted on the Vikings, they did me. It's carried on into this year, actually. If I bet on the Vikings, they lose. If I don't bet on them, they win. <laughs> they win, yeah. Well, the two teams where that has been the case this year has been the Colts and the Raiders. So, I'm going draw. <laughs> because, <laughs> honestly, anytime I bet on either of them, I'm bloody wrong. Um, I can't get away from that show that we saw from the Raiders a couple of weeks ago. And let's not forget how bad they were last week against the Jets. The Jets, yeah. So, you, I mean, any sane person has to go for the Colts. And even with my, you know, debilitated mental capacity at the moment, I can't look past the, the Colts. So, yeah, you have to go Indianapolis. Uh, I have also gone Indianapolis on this one. As you said, it's... <laughs> The last two is performances there, from the Raiders have uh, shaken any confidence I had that they'd be a threat in the, the postseason. Yeah. Is there any more a sexy matchup this week than Philip Rivers against Derek Carr? I mean, <laughs> if that doesn't get your blood boiling as an NFL fan, you need to check your pulse because you're not alive. It's like vanilla on vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> Can I not have strawberry and chocolate ice cream, please? Let's have two, like three slices of vanilla, please. Thank you. Yes, please. We've got the New York Jets. At the Seattle Seahawks. Whoever the Jets are playing, I go for that team. They don't even need to tell me who it is. Just the perfect tonic the for the Seahawks <laughs> after yeah. a loss to the Giants is to play the, the other New York team. Yeah, this is after a boxer loses a title fight. You know I love a boxing analogy, so I'll slide yeah, it. Oh, here yeah. it goes. <laughs> boxer loses a title fight, so you just give him a gimme the next one. You know, Get back in there, have a public training session, earn a, couple, earn a couple of million quid for it, and then get back in with someone decent afterwards. That's all this is. It's just a tune-up fight. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so the next game is the... Oh, it's an NFC North matchup. It's the Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. 
Now, historically, the Lions have always given the Packers a little bit of trouble. Mm. Um, we know the respect that Rodgers has um, for Matt Stafford. He was very complimentary of him a couple of weeks ago, saying yeah. that guy's got game. He refused to say his name, but said that guy's got game. <laughs> That's the respect. Uh, but, I mean, at the same time, the Packers, the Packers really struggle when you make it physical, when you beat them up, when you make it about winning the line of scrimmage, that's when they really struggle. And I'm not sure the Lions can do that yet. Um, I think they're still a little bit off. And yeah, you, I think you have to go Packers. You just have to. I think it'll be a bit closer than we think, just because there is that rivalry there and it does turn into a bit of a scrap. But I just don't think the Lions have that necessary, that nastiness or that quality, either, either side of it to win. So I think you have to go Packers on that. Only slightly, though. I think you're going to be a bit closer than everyone thinks. Okay. Well, I'm going for the Lions. Okay. I, I, I completely get why. I <laughs> do I no Matt Patricia. Why. Yeah. And it's, it's, if they are going to win, they're going to win by being a bit nasty and a bit dirty and really making the Packers play down to them. Um, mm. I just don't know if they're quite good enough yet to do that. Um, but no, I, I, I completely see why. And a lot of people will think, are you nuts? The Packers are a much better team. If you genuinely sit down and watch the Packers, you'll realize if you remove that threat of Devontae Adams, who is one of the best wide receivers in football, and you try and nullify that run, it makes it significantly easy. Significantly easier, not easy, yeah. but easier, certainly. Um, there's still holes on that offensive line and that defense as well. Yep, I'm just thinking about any given Sunday, and I think that the Lions are playing a lot more free now that Patricia's gone. Uh, Daryl Bevel seems yeah. to get a good result from them against the Bears. Yeah, there's, there's guys playing for their future as well. Which, exactly. What's that, what's that famous saying? One guy defending his land is more powerful than 100 paid soldiers. So mm-hmm. people are playing for their livelihood at the moment, which always makes you play better. So the New Orleans Saints are at the Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts starting that game. Saints. I mean, it's that's... The only team who I'd have to question, imagine Jets versus Eagles. That's a quandary you wouldn't want to pick at the moment, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah, Saints is not even close. Saints have won, what is it, nine on a row or something? Yeah, it's it's literally not close. Yeah, so nine win streak. So I'm going for the Eagles in this one. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, seriously. It's in Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, the Eagles are going to start a quarterback, whereas the Saints aren't going to start a quarterback. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with this Philadelphia team with a week after um, a, a better performance once uh, Hertz was in the lineup. Should we play double points on this one then? <laughs> no. Okay. I was just, just throwing it out there if you wanted to, seeing how confident you were. Hey, hey I, I'm pretty confident. So let's yeah, play double points on it then. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> look, I'm not, look, it's not just me doing this. All right. This is for everyone that's come before me. So I'm not going to do that, but uh, yeah, yeah. Give go me on, a chance. Got to give you a chance, Dave. Let's see how it pans out with your Taysom Hill throwing the yeah. ball. Uh, Don't say got, your Taysom Hill. Well, nothing to do with me. <laughs> I'd be starting Jameis if it was me. Oh, okay. So then we've got the Atlanta Falcons at the, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, as mentioned earlier, I would not under any circumstances be picking the Chargers for the rest of the season. So I'm going Falcons. <laughs> You're happy with the Falcons on this one then? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, 
I am actually going to go for yeah, Atlanta as well. Yeah, I'm not picking the Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's difficult to know with these two teams because they're both relatively trash on defense. But um, yeah, they're, they're streaky. Um, but the problem is the streak was so bad last time for the Chargers that I can't anticipate them turning that around yeah. in less than a week. No, no. And at least the Falcons have got rid of their head coach that was weighing them down whereas the Chargers aren't yet to do that. So, um, yeah, both of us picked the Falcons. So, three games left. First up, it's Washington at the San Francisco 49ers in Arizona. Washington Washington against 49ers. I am going to go Washington, I think. Is it in Arizona? Yes. Both away. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. I'm going to go Washington just because, as you say, that... Defensive front. Um, it, it, if both teams are fit, this is potentially the two elite defensive fronts. I know you're a Steelers fan, calm down and everything, but <laughs> these are the two elite defensive fronts potentially facing off. I mean, it is uh, a bit of a shame that there are so many injuries to the 49ers, but again, I, it's Alex. It's the efficiency of Alex Smith versus, um, you know, yeah. Nick Mullen, I yeah, I think I think it's definitely gonna. I definitely yeah, I'm I'm just sticking with uh, Washington. I think yeah, it's going to be a tight game, I believe. But I've also yeah, gone for Washington. Yeah, just because they've got less injuries, um, and and they've got the ability to score when they really want to. So yeah, I think it's going to be a very very tight game. It's a coin toss as far as I can see, but I went for Washington as well. So the late night game is the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. Bills. Just yeah, to annoy you. Looking that in. All right. Just to annoy you. <laughs> you have annoyed me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what as well. I th- I think it's going to be a close game. I think Bud Dupree is a big miss for you. Your lack of run game is gonna is gonna hurt you. To what extent I don't know, but it is going to hurt you somewhat. Um, but I think it's one of those games where, you know, two or three points in either direction could end up, um, uh, could end up really costing one of you. So I, I had a feeling you were going to pick the Steelers. So I am picking the bills to try and claw that point back. There's no way I'm not picking the Steelers. I'd be a fool not to pick the Steelers because they're my boys and, uh, yeah, we play up to our teams. So, uh, I'm not worried about going into Orchard Park and, and playing the bills. No, and you shouldn't be. I mean, you're coming on, coming off, you know, a loss last week, but it's the only loss you've had of the season. If you, you yeah, it was our third game in eleven days as well. Yeah, you shouldn't be worried uh, too much about, um, you know, about playing the Bills. It's at the end of the day, you're going to have to play against quality teams like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, looking forward to it. Look, it should be a good game. Yeah, and then the Monday night game is another AFC North game, and that is the Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns. Um, again, I mean, the Browns failed to failed to deceive a lot of the times two weeks running. It's not very often you get two quality performances week on week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go the Ravens, I think. Okay. I mean... What about you? Well, the Ravens did win in week one against the Browns 38-6. to Yeah, but that was ever such a long time ago. It was a long time ago. And that's why I'm going for the Browns. Oh, okay. So we've got a difference. We've um, got another difference. I just think the Browns' ability to be consistent is one of the things that really holds them back. Mm. 
at the same time, the Ravens show that they just can't move the ball through the air. So they're completely reliant on the ground game. And the Browns front seven, it's another very good front seven. It's a good front seven. Chance to shut them down. Stopping the run as some other teams. No, but I think they've got a better overall unit. Uh, I agree. And and they've Uh, got a chance to move the ball on the ground and through the air as well. They've got people like Jarvis Landry that is very good at, at bringing the ball in. Um, and with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they've always but you got say that, but Nick, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt really are reliant on the space that the offensive line creates. And they're creating that offensive line against a defensive line, which contains Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, guys who know When they're healthy. Play. Well, but they're, they're healthy. playing? Yes, they should be. Derek Wolf played last week. Mm. I mean, there's the infamous picture of um, Derek Wolf on the ground sort of looking at the stars as... Uh, as um, Derek Henry was running past him um, for the win against the, the Titans. So he's been pretty much ever present, but it's just having that um, consistency for the Browns that's a real concern. I'm, I'm taking them to win at home in the divisional game against the, the Ravens. They've done it before, so I think they can do it again. I think it'll be, it'll be, it'll be close. It's not going to be a blowout either way. Um, I think it's no. good that we've got a difference. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm we've got loads that. of differences. We've got more than we've got um, the same. I think, Dave. <laughs> so <laughs> excellent. Yes, no, I'm very happy with that because it's been a couple of times this season when we've been fairly similar. Not you and I. I mean, me and no, me, no. no. <laughs> uh, so last thing before we go, Dave, is the bets for the week. So what are you betting? For this weekend in the NFL. So I've somewhat gone against one of my picks. I mentioned that the Chiefs were going to beat the Dolphins, but said it would be close. Right. So I've gone for the Dolphins plus seven. So if if the Chiefs win by six, I still get the point. I still get okay. the odds. And it's more or less evens. Um, so it kind of makes sense to do that. Um, I've also gone for the Bucks to beat the Vikings, uh, the Titans to beat the Jags, um, the Seahawks yep. to beat the Jets, the Saints to beat the Eagles, and the Bills to beat the Steelers. Okay. There's also I've gone for two other games. So the Broncos and the Broncos and the Panthers. Uh, I've I've said that there is going to be less than forty six and a half points. So I think it's going to be quite a low scoring game that one, which I think makes sense. Just considering the Broncos can't bloody score. Um, I've also said that the Cardinals against the Giants is also going to be a low-scoring game where there's under 45 and a half points. Um, so, yeah, I've put on uh, £1.53, because why not? Um, and that's going to get me back £43.07. And, and interestingly, this week, um, I'm using Paddy Power this week, um, just for those who want to know. And uh, I believe there, because I'm doing a total match points, there is no mm-hmm. cash out facility on this, I believe. Um, so it's going to have to run the whole way all the way through to the Steelers game. Fair enough. <laughs> and hope you lose. So, yeah, that's where I'm at, at the moment. Yeah. So I believe that I've got, after this, I've still got £16 in my account. Um, so, yeah, not had a win for a while. So I need to start <laughs> clawing yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> I had the ability to cash out for 6p this week and I went, no, I'm not doing it. I refuse. No, no. Respect yourself, Dave. Don't do that. Yeah, it was the Titans that lost it for me last week. That was the one that really sort of held me back. Oh, yeah. That was a acker breaker. Um, well, I've gone for three bets. So I've gone for a treble. Okay. 
But I'm I'm saying it with my chest, Dave. I've gone for the ones where they are the underdog in the game. So I've gone for the Giants to beat the Cardinals. Yeah. I've gone for the Eagles to beat the Saints. Yeah. And I've gone for the Lions to beat the Packers. That must be about a hundred to one, right? No, it also <laughs> should be. be. I reckon that's going to be about twelve to one. It's actually twenty nine to one. Jesus. So I've put a one pound bet on, which means I get thirty pounds and ten pence. Hang on, twenty nine plus one. Twenty one point one. Twenty nine point one to one. Out. Yeah. So I'll get thirty quid basically on a one pound bet if my three uh, non safe bets come in. <laughs> so they are not safe I mean, by any means, which is only stick with it. But it is a swing for the fence. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so in terms of fantasy this week, because uh, we haven't discussed this week yet, um, how's your matchup looking? Are you confident? Oh, I think I'm still. Yeah, I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. I could be obviously better. I, the whole season, I wish I had a big running back, but I don't. So. I did, That's and then he got thing. injured in like week two. I had Saquon Barkley. Well, I had Joe Mixon. Uh, I had, yeah, it's true. I had, I have your opponent from last week who is starting Carson Wentz currently, uh, and his backup quarterback is Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady is many things, but he's not the goating fantasy. Mm. So um, I'm feeling a little bit smug at the moment, I think. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I'm currently predicted to win by like 30 points, but that's just because Carson Wentz's predicted points is one. So I think it's actually going to be quite a close game. Um, so it puts me one behind uh, you at the moment. We know that predicted uh, points shouldn't be counting for anything. No, I know. But that's the only thing right now. That's the only barometer that you can possibly put anything in. I, I, I massively agree more than anything that those predicted points are utter utter nonsense because every week they predict they predict that Austin Eckler is going to get about 26 points and he gets like four yeah he's not running back um but yeah so that tells you kind of where we are at the moment I'm predicted but counting those stupid points I'm predicted to win by two points okay (laughs) well they definitely are rubbish then (laughs) (laughs) so that's it that's the that's the pod done guys um thank you so much to Dave for for sticking in there even though he might have covid um yeah. it's been it's been a tough game we, we would have done yesterday but uh dave just wasn't feeling it so uh, no, we pushed it back a day glad one, you were able to do it thing, dave one thing that i did want to mention um so soon the college games finish yeah um i think this is the last week of the college games being uh you're having a full um set and then you only have sort of playoff games that are on uh mm-hmm. friday or saturday and what that means is that there is from i believe not this week coming up but the one afterwards there's going to be nfl games on a saturday night um and that debuts uh, so there's the chargers raiders next uh thursday night football and then the first saturday night of the week what have we got Broncos versus Bills on a Saturday night. How much does everyone not want to watch that? But yeah, so we're going to get to watch NFL on a Saturday night, which is cool. So there's a couple of games. Mm -hmm. uh, Packers, Panthers after that as well. So yeah, we're going to start seeing uh, Saturday night games, which is exciting. It's great. We get to see more football. Exactly. So make sure you're checking us out on uh, Twitter at Jim and the King, at Denver Dave 30, at NFL Fan Support. Um, If you want to put your picks in for next week, then just get in contact with us on Twitter and uh, we can look to put up against Dave. Uh, check out jimtheking.com which is our website but until next week guys I've been Jim 
That's been Denver Dave, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>